what our podcast good at. It's a, it's a way of going deep, right, with someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can understand why politicians are attracted to it, and I understand why influencers are attracted to it too. It's mm-hmm. just another way to connect with your audience in a way, you know, perhaps in a time when they couldn't have their phone up in front of their face, but you know, maybe they're on their way to work, or maybe they're on a walk, or whatever it is, uh, doing the laundry, all the classic like podcast use cases. Uh, it's another way to kind of uh, connect with an audience uh, in in times where you might not be able to reach them otherwise. Welcome to Screw It, Just Do It, the number one ranked entrepreneurship podcast for business owners, entrepreneurs, and those aspiring to be so. The aim of this show is to showcase the world's most inspiring and interesting people who've decided to screw it, just do it. We offer 20% inspiration and 80% education, giving you the tools and advice to start, grow, and scale a successful business. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell, fellow entrepreneur, podcast agency owner with a number one podcast and startup advisor to global startup generator and early stage VC, Antler. Each week, I release two episodes, a Q&A every Wednesday with one of the world's most inspiring figures, plus a solo episode every Saturday where I cover the challenges that all of us are facing as entrepreneurs. Okay, so welcome to another episode of Screw It, Just Do It with me, Alex Chisnell. And my special guest this week is Dave Zorop from Chartable. Thanks so much for having me, Alex. Pleasure, absolutely pleasure. So Dave is the CEO of Chartable, which he co-founded in 2018. So Chartable is a company that provides podcast analytics and attribution tools to help publishers grow and help brands and agencies like myself understand their spend. Um, They're trusted by top publishers and brands to handle more than a billion downloads a month. Now, back in February, Spotify acquired both Chartable and another company called Podsite for a reported $87 million as part of their plan to modernize audio advertising. So welcome once again, Dave. And I'm going to dive straight in. So Daniel Ek, Spotify CEO, said that um, those moves are already paying off, which is a good thing. He says that we are already seeing the impact these moves are having with renewal rates and deal sizes. These moves will bring important innovation to the marketplace and accelerate our ability to unlock significant revenue growth in both music and podcasts. So that was about a week ago he said that. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be our quote then to uh, to promote this episode. Um, Look, firstly, how how long, you know, five years, what we're, you know, up to now and chatted to a number of businesses, um, you know, during that time, entrepreneurs, um, the likes of uh, Richard Reed from Innocent, who sold to Coca-Cola for, for north of $500 million. And he said literally, you know, in the seven-year journey of their business, that Coca-Cola were, were nibbling at them literally every single year. So I'm interested to know, yeah, how long does your conversations with Spotify go back? Um, or has it been something that's come to fruition only recently? Um, you know, it, it's not something that went all the way back, right? We've had, there have been a lot of people kicking the tires of Chartable over the years. So like we, um, my co-founder, uh, excuse me, my co-founder Harish and I left our jobs uh, at a startup called Angelist back at the end of 2017. And we didn't know what we were going to build when we quit. We're uh, that naive maybe. Uh, just like left deciding that, you know, we wanted to give uh, starting a company another shot. Um, and we started Chartable uh, in 2018, early 2018, um, after we started the podcast ourselves, right? Uh, and, uh, we were kind of shocked 
at the lack of data available to podcasters, right? Mm. Um, you know, fast forward, you know, we were acquired by Spotify in 2022. So like the end-to-end time is not all that long, right? Like under under five years, under four years since we started Chartable. Over the years, there are certainly plenty of folks kicking, kicking the tires. Like I'm always, I'm like a very much a, a pessimist when it comes to this sort of thing. It's just like, it's not real till it's real. So we were just like focused yep. on building the business, right? Um, but we saw like a ton of strategic alignment with Spotify and we're really happy with how it's worked out. Mm, amazing. Um, and, and where do you think Chartable offers the best value for, for Spotify and, and Megaphone, which I believe you're going to be partnering with as well? Yeah, so Megaphone was acquired by Spotify in 2020. Uh, they were, you know, prior to the acquisition, and of course now they're like huge. They, we, I guess I should say, I'm not haven't haven't changed okay. my uh, third person to first person. Um, Megaphone's a huge platform for publishers, right? They're, the thing that really got the adoption was um, what's now called uh, Spotify Audience Network or Span. It's a programmatic ad solution. It's incredible. It's like an amazing way for for uh, publishers to monetize. Um, you know, we've been working with Megaphone for years. The thing that we're going to be focused on as part of, you know, this Megaphone, Spotify, Podsites, uh, super bundle, uh, is, uh, really focusing on helping publishers understand their audiences, helping them grow their audiences. Like we've always at Chartable been super focused on data, on the kinds of insights that data can unlock. And that's exactly what we're going to be focusing on here, kind of complementing Megaphone's existing offerings, uh, for publishers and, and really focusing on that insights and reporting and growth for publishers. Mm. And when you founded Chartable in, in early 2018 um, with Harish, did you have the the three, the five, the 10-year the plan with a, with a hopeful planned exit or was it? Totally you know, the- not. No way. <laughs> I mean, we had no <laughs> we idea what we were doing. You know, I mean, I don't want to sound like we were like, we like literally had no idea. I mean, like we were um, looking for things that we thought would be good bets. And, um, you know, after we started our own podcast, we got like thousands of downloads uh, on our first day. We were doing this tech news podcast, summarizing a startup news board called Hacker News, which we had you know, both been kind of like too obsessed with for years. And um, we we're like, OK, we're just going to like summarize this programming slash startup news board and see people listen. And the answer is like, yeah, people really wanted it. Uh, you know, we were doing 5000 downloads a day by the end of our first week. And for, Whoa. you know, for like megaphone yeah. customers, maybe 5,000 hours a day, uh, 5,000 downloads a day isn't all that much, but for, you know, two guys on their first try, it was like yeah. shocking. Right. Um, and so more than anything, you know, like my, my skills are as a programmer and as a product person, not as a, a podcaster, right. I'll leave that to much more creative and talented folks, but we were just kind of shocked that there was that much demand that hadn't already been served. You know, I'm used to everything on the internet now being hyper competitive and, Overserved, and there should be like ten different companies or more, like fighting for every possible niche. And yet, somehow, there's this big chunk of a super popular medium, one that we were like obsessed with. You know, like I've always listened to a lot of podcasts, like that wasn't already served well. Uh, and that was this um, this data segment. Like you know, coming from startup land, I previously built uh, web startups. I've done like early mobile apps on iPhone when the App Store first came out they're very quickly developed like a really robust system of third-party tools that gave app developers incredible insights that helped you grow your apps. And you grow your apps, you get more downloads, you make more money from ads, like pretty similar thing to what we ended up building in podcast land, right? It's like we built tools to help publishers understand their audience so that they could grow it. And you get more, more downloads, you get more dollars, right? And it's, it's pretty straightforward, right? So we saw a huge mm-hmm. parallel and we thought, 
I can't, I can't believe that nobody else has done this. Like we're going to do it. And you mentioned earlier, so you, you both met at um, AngelList where um, you founded the recruiting platform. Correct. Okay. Um, and then- yeah, AngelList, like, uh, it's a company that's been around uh, since 2010, still going strong. Um, yeah. I, I, joined, yeah. Uh, I joined originally back in 2011. Um, without really, it was after founding my first startup and, and not really with a clear indication of what I'd do there other than to try to build stuff and... Um, Similarly saw just like we had all these startup founders on site um, who maybe weren't uh, had started the company, which didn't work or tried to raise money and were unsuccessful and were looking for another gig, sort of like me prior to joining AngelList. Uh, and, um, you know, so I ended up building a recruiting platform there, which has grown into a big business. Uh, and Harish, uh, my co-founder, joined uh, back in 2015. And we just, you know, we really got along. It was kind of like a halfway house for, for founders who are in between uh, startups at the time. I think more than half the team were former founders. I think it's still held up, even though the company's grown to uh, mm-hmm. a much larger size by now. So it's certainly a great place to learn about startups and to to, to meet great folks to work with. And interested to know again, what lessons have you learned from the previous startups that you've that you've built and, and taken into Chartable? Especially now, like again, you're coming up to I think your your five year mark as well, aren't you? So yeah, uh, I think. Um, you know, it's hard not to overgeneralize, right? Um, when I when I look back at what I've built and what's survived, it's always about solving important problems for customers, uh, and just really always coming back to that. So, so many um, as a founder, there can be so many distractions, right? Um, you know, I'm an engineer, so like, there's always like some shiny engineering thing that like seems like it might be a good idea to build. But if it doesn't solve a customer's problem, then it doesn't matter. And solving customer problems uh, also, you know, involves the business side too. Like the way that we, I learned a lot about, for example, like sales and pricing this time around, which like I hadn't had never done like a B two B or like a SaaS startup before, right? Uh, on my own, and so like uh, everything, if I like look back on it, everything ends up flowing from customer needs, customer problems. That's like, I would say the first thing. Um, the second thing is that everything takes longer than I would ever want it to. And I think that's true uh, at a startup. It's true every time I've had a job. It's just like, I'm super impatient. I mean, that's why, you know, I have the itch to like go off and like do stuff, right? Until I start something. Yeah. Um, but realistically, um, doing something well and truly, you know, understanding the customer problems that like, that you know, I just said, are the driver of everything, uh, takes time, right? You don't, you don't understand customer problems just by like having one conversation, something you have to keep learning about, keep going back to, um, podcasts in particular, this industry, I find just totally fascinating. It's such a deep rabbit hole in terms of, um, how historically this industry has evolved, all the work that's yet to be done to make it so that you know, it's even easier to create, even easier to monetize. Mm. Um, you know, so almost five years in, like, I feel like I've just been scratching the surface, right? It's like, there's mm-hmm. so much to learn, so much to build, so much to do. Uh, and that's why, you know, super exciting to be sitting where we are as part of Spotify and have the resources and also the time, the, the vision to, to keep moving forward. And do, do you think that's, for you know, you know when, you, when you both made that decision, um, to, to to go with Spotify essentially was that yeah. it it bought you time 
to because like as you see if, if you're just scratching the surface and you think what you can achieve but you, you don't necessarily have the resources to to achieve that and For you're sure. impatient because you want to solve all these problems straight away so was that the kind of you know you know one of the overriding factors there? absolutely it was one of the factors mm. right like we were a team of 11 at the time of acquisition um, there's only so much you can do with 11 people even if you're all like really smart hardworking people which we all are um there's uh you know, there's a limit to the kind of impact you can have um, just due to resourcing, right? Like we didn't have unlimited money. We'd only raised a, a total of a, a few million bucks. And, um, you know, there's there's only so far you can go with that, right? Um, so when we were thinking about what the right next step for the company is, like obviously um, Spotify occupies a unique part of the market. Uh, Spotify is making an absolutely massive bet on podcasts, right? Yeah. Which has been going back for years now. Um, and uh, we were just really excited to to be a part of that picture. Like, like going forward, like Spotify is making, again, just like huge bets. Uh, and they've been very public about this since they bought, you know, that first set of acquisitions of uh, Anchor and Gimlet uh, back yeah. in 2019. When I saw that, I was like, wow, this is like, this is a big deal. This company is making a huge, huge investment. Uh, and it's continuing, right? We were we were just the latest in that string of like of like bid bets on podcasting. So I think you know uh, it was really attractive to us as as folks. You know, we want to build stuff that has impact, that matters, that solves these customer problems. That's what drives us. Uh, and Spotify is super committed to doing that. So there's total alignment there. Yeah, and I remember that time as well because I've been a Spotify Premium member for years and years yeah. and years. You know, have the whole family, you know, on, on it now. <laughs> <laughs> and and I remember being you know invited to participate in that beta testing program when they, when they had. And I remember at the time going, "How come everybody's not on Spotify as a podcaster? I don't, I don't, I don't get it." And then you know, when you kind of you know look into the rationale for doing it and go you know people like me who are always listening to their music there but to listen to their podcast they were going off to you know to, to apple or, or any other platform to, to listen to the podcast and you're like okay i get it they want to keep people they want to keep people here it makes perfect sense to to do that um has it been a has it been a smooth five year journey up up until this point? No. <laughs> Excellent. I, yeah. love, I prefer that answer. Uh, I mean, like we landed, right? Like I, I feel like the landing was like about as uh, incredible as anyone could ever ask for, right? And I, I feel um, like just so proud that we were able to do this, and so proud of the work that we've yet. You know, we have a lot of work yet to do uh, mm. that I'm like really excited about, right? Um, but from the beginning, I mean, the first thing the first thing that Rich and I worked on was like customer service support like survey software it was terrible and then we didn't connect um you know we did a lot of building i i I learned a lot about selling and what it feels like to sell something that nobody wants right uh and that's why it was so different when we kind of like fell into podcasting um people were just so excited to like have insights into like in the in the early days it was just like charts and reviews right this is like public data that was already out there but somehow like wasn't aggregated for um, publishers and and people were just super pumped about it. Like it was just so different. Like t- having gone from trying to sell this like super boring survey software that you know we couldn't even like push you know push the people at like super low prices to um, you know not that much later having something that people were like just super excited about and asked for new features and like asking to pay us money and all this stuff. Like before we'd even figured out what the businesses looked like, people were like, "Hey, can can you build me this? Can we do this? Like this is awesome, you know?" And that. It was just night and day. So, like, even from those very early days, um, it's been uh, 
a little, I would, I would say down and up versus up and down. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's yeah. never a ride. It's never a smooth ride. Um, running right. a tiny company, um, uh, where, you know, you're kind of responsible for everything, but that's what, what we signed up for. And I'm again, just super proud of the outcome and, you know, happy for myself and for the team. And, you know, I, I see like, as, as you obviously do, you know, massive opportunity because I'm, even though we have international clients, most of the clients, you know, we make podcasts for are, are based in the UK. And, you know, once you get them set up on, you know, hosting platform and then launch the podcast, they, they want to, you know, literally know, you know, how many people are listening to it? Where are they listening from? And it was like, is that it? Is that, you know, where's, where's there more information? I'm like, right. You know, and part of our deck is a chartable slide. And oh, great. Like we, we walk, we walk them through that and they go, you know, this is, these are the three options that you have. Um, and interested to know then, you know, when you're saying about, you know, learning to sell and, and price, et cetera, um, how did you come to, to price um, the different options that, that you have? Do you have like a free option and then you have different paid options as well? Yeah. I mean, honestly, it was like totally experimental, right? We tried a few different things. When we first started, um, there was just a free plan, a hundred hour a month plan, and then like enterprise, which is like, we didn't really know. We didn't have like I mean, I had no idea what I was doing, honestly, right? I mean, I'm gonna, I don't know how many times I'm gonna say that on this podcast, but uh, you know, it's true. So it. I'll just keep coming back to it. Um, yeah. So it was really just about talking to customers and figuring out um, what pieces were important to whom. Like, I think it was sort of unusual uh, in that we serve like a super wide range of podcasters, right? From like tiny, tiny creators with just a handful of downloads, which are awesome. You know, like I totally, you know, every podcast starts that way unless you start with the network, right. Um, to all, all the way to like the biggest publishers in the world. And so, um, each of those folks has a different set of things that's important to them and a different set of things they're willing to pay for a different way that, um, data fits into their, their business. If it is indeed a business, right. So we had Mm -hmm. to kind of, um, just keep going back to the well, keep learning about what, what matters. And so, you know, where we nutted out, um, you know, the, the majority of our, our, you know, the biggest part of our business in terms of revenue was uh, with, you know, that enterprise, the very high end uh, customers who are doing like bazillions of downloads a month. Um, but we also, you know, by, by volume, obviously there's, a, there's not that many like uh, publishers with bazillions of downloads a month. So like we were mm. uh, serving a large number of smaller publishers. Um, so kind of like, you know, the twofold path there, right. That kind of uh, I guess threefold that free, the free tier, it's like all kinds of folks in there. Um, and then, you know, folks who are willing to pay a little and folks for whom this stuff matters a lot. There's people, you know, maybe hundreds of people with on one team logging into Chartable, uh, looking at different shows and, and planning marketing campaigns and all that stuff. So. And, and do you focus, obviously it's global because people can access it anywhere, but do you focus on the U S and now with Spotify, you're like, okay, we can now look at, yeah, the, the podcast market is, you know, it's the most mature in the U.S., right? So um, in terms of ad revenue, and so and we're based in the U.S. Uh, as Chartable. And so um, obviously there's a natural uh, tendency to, to focus there. Um, international is super exciting. Uh, so for us, like international means like U.K., Canada, Australia, um, EU markets. Uh, and then, of course, like Latin American, Spanish-speaking markets, Middle East. There's so many, right? It's hard yeah. to like, uh, it's hard to... <laughs> can't choose just one right uh so <laughs> as part of as part of spotify we actually going to have the support over time uh within you know the microphone team to like uh focus more on international certainly than we would have been able to as a as a small independent company right mm. um and international is a huge priority priority for spotify as a eu-based company yeah. um so there's a lot of exciting stuff happening there 
It's funny because someone was just saying to me that, you know, another one of these millions of myths that there are in podcast land. Someone was going, yeah, everybody in North America listens to podcasts on Apple and everybody in Europe listens to podcasts on Spotify. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> okay. It's, I mean, it's, it's a funny thing, like market by market, like country by country, it changes. A lot of it comes down to like, what's the percentage of iOS adoption in a country? Mm. And that can be like totally different based on the country, based on whatever, based on the, the initial smartphone trends or whatever Apple put iPhone available into that country or, or whatever it is, right? So um, yeah. Spotify is obviously uh, works across both iOS and Android, but on Android in particular, it's like, there's no, there's no like amazing default experience with apologies to Google, like Google podcasts is like uh, acceptable, but not amazing. Uh, yeah. And Spotify is much more amazing, right? So it's like, um, you know, I think if you if you had if you zoomed all the way out and looked at iOS versus Android, that would also be an indicator of um, Spotify adoption. I mean, like obviously, um, Spotify has been investing across all platforms and it's, it's growing on all uh, you know on iOS too. Uh, but there's a very basic story there, which is that like without Spotify, like the Android experience, you know, for audio, it's just not that great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and uh, you recently presented at Podcast Movement. Am I right yes. with that? Awesome. Yep. Okay. So, you know, the world's biggest podcast, a community of podcasters. And um, I read a few bits that you, you shared and one of them kind of jumped out at me that was, you know, contrary to popular belief, another one of these things that I get thrown out yes. all the time is that a new podcast can't reach the charts. There's no way that I can get my new podcast into the charts for the category in the country that I want. But that's not true, is it? No. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate the myth busting here. There's all kinds of like, stuff that folks take for granted in the podcast world that just isn't backed up by data. And because we're data nerds, we're, we always want to like, Joe, see like, well, maybe some of them are true. Maybe some of them are not. Let's find mm. out. Right. And so what we found is that, um, you know, Chartable runs uh, our own charts called the Chartable Top 200. Um, and over 20% of them and the of shows in the Top 200 were launched in the last couple of years. Right. So this idea that like only new shows, uh, I'm sorry, only shows that have been around for many years can reach the top of the charts. It's just not true, right? So yeah. um, it certainly helps to have the backing of a big network or a big marketing budget, right? I don't think anyone would dispute that. But yeah. there's absolutely new shows, indie shows that may have a, a big impact right after launching. And the idea that the door is like completely closed is just totally false, right? There's going to be, we're going to look back at 2022 and say like, oh yeah, like obviously no new shows made the top 200 except this this big group of shows, which is now super popular and it's totally obvious, but like, uh, there's absolutely opportunity, you know, uh, you know, the best time to start a show, uh, was yesterday, but today is also a good time. <laughs> Did you know that this week marks a very special week as I celebrate the fifth anniversary of launching screw it, just do it. From just two downloads in the first week of May the 15th, 2017, this show is now listened to by you in over 160 countries globally, is in the top 1% of all podcasts worldwide, has been ranked at number one from the UK to Uganda. And for that, I'm extremely grateful to you. The plan was never to go all in on podcasting and launch an agency in 2019. Popreneur, helping ambitious brands and driven entrepreneurs tell their stories via the power of audio. But in all honesty, there was never a plan back in 2017. I essentially decided to screw it, just do it and work it out as I went along. And my only regret that I didn't start sooner. So to celebrate, we've got events planned throughout the year as we head towards episode 500, culminating 
in CCI Tech Live at Olympia, London, where five to 10,000 content creators will congregate and learn how to create better content and with the best advice and kit out there. Tickets will also be free. Now, I've always been aware that not all of you are in a position to access the support my podcast agency provides. So for the first time ever, I've decided to offer just 10 people the opportunity to learn from me and my team personally how to launch or relaunch your podcast with my Done With You podcast launch challenge. To apply to be one of the 10 people I'm going to personally help walk you through launching or relaunching your own podcast, just click the link in this episode's description and follow me at Alex Chisnell on all social media platforms for the latest updates as we launch week commencing June the 6th. The opportunity to apply is only open for seven days and we can only help 10 people. All 10 successful applicants will get a complimentary copy of my podcast course featuring over 20 hours of content and over 30 templates, roadmaps, cheat sheets and workbooks to go alongside my personal teaching. No idea if I'll ever offer this opportunity again in the next five years. So if you've always wanted to launch your own show or your existing show isn't doing what you want it to, then take advantage of this opportunity before it closes in just seven days. Everyone gets a 100% money back guarantee if your podcast doesn't reach the charts or for whatever reason, you're not 100% happy. Back to the show. Another thing I picked up was that you you said cross-promotion is potentially the best way to promote your podcast. Yeah, it's certainly to grow, right? Um, There's a lot of different ways to grow audience. Uh, What I like to say is um, it's really important to make a great show. So if you want to, you want to start with the great show. It's uh, regardless of whether you're doing a branded show or a true crime uh, documentary or a chat show, whatever it is, like focus on making great content. That's fantastic. Uh, but once you have a great show, um, the idea that the listeners are just going to like flock to you automatically, um, that's false. Just like anywhere else, anything else that you put out into the world, like you have to let people know about it. Uh, and um, we always encourage cross promo as like a, a huge pillar of a uh, podcast marketing campaign um, because it's super cost effective. Um, and cross promo here means um, buying, selling, trading a spot on another show um, yeah. to, to promote your own. So like if I'm like New York times the daily and I want to promote another podcast that we have, let's say modern love um, I can like cross promote either within my own network, or maybe I buy a spot from another network to promote my show and um, you know, charitable, has measured that we, we call it smart promos that feature is going to make its way into megaphone uh, uh, for all publishers and, uh, that use megaphone and uh, even folks that don't host on megaphone um, over the coming uh, quarters. And uh, we're super excited to, to make that tool even better as part of Spotify. And do you, do you think um, obviously there's, you know, there's lots of factors, lots of different ways you can market your podcast, as you say, but do you think, um, you know, bang for your buck, something, something like that cross promotion versus say social media versus ad spend. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, like, when we look at benchmarks across, you know, uh, so, you know, there's thousands of uh, podcasts, tens of thousands of podcasts that use charitable for marketing. And um, we look at uh, kind of aggregate data across all kinds of different channels. And it's hard to know exactly how folks are using the different tools. We also have a tool called smart links, which is like, 
Yeah. Uh, click to download attribution. So if I post a link on Twitter, I can see how many downloads come through it. Um, we don't know which of those links are necessarily used as part of paid promotion versus like organic promotion or part of a newsletter or something. But in general, when we zoom all the way out, uh, cross promo has a really effective conversion rate for bringing new listeners to your show, right? Um, yeah. And even if you don't have a budget, you can do it. You can find uh, publishers that have, you know, maybe they're sitting in a similar genre as you or something, or that even if they're just a friend of yours, you can arrange to trade a promo there. And, uh, you know, we always encourage it. I think people that come from digital marketing backgrounds that are outside of audio tend to underestimate how effective cross promo is. Mm. And if you, you know, again, if you zoom all the way out and kind of think about it from a, like a first principles perspective, like I'm already like when you advertise on promo with promos, you are reaching people who listen to podcasts by definition, right? Yeah. There's no way they would hear your ad unless they're already listening to podcasts, right? So it's like, it's already, you know, you're reaching a potential listener already versus like on social media, you don't know if you're reaching um, somebody who is an active podcast listener and the bar to convince a, an, an existing podcast listener to listen to your show or give it a try is very different than convincing somebody to try podcasts for the first time. Right. Yeah. 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 It, it's, it's that jump, isn't it? Like trying to get somebody to go from one platform to another platform. Yep. Whereas if yep. you're already on Spotify. Yeah. If I'm already on Spotify, I'm already like, you know, I'm listening to a podcast. It's only a couple of taps for me to, to, um, you know, check out something new. Right. Mm. Versus like I'm uh, scrolling through my Twitter stream. Like, I don't really know that I want to stop. And like, you know, the, the kind of like time, I, there's a word for this that I'm, that I'm not, not catching. Like the amount of time that I spend looking at any individual tweet versus like a 45 minute podcast episode, like you have to like yeah. completely shift like modalities there in terms mm. from like, you know, scrolling through this infinite content thing to like going deep on a podcast, which is like what podcasts are great at. Right. So mm. pretty different what- mode. And where do you think, um, have you, have you got kids yourself? I think you have. I do. Yeah. I've got, I've got two little ones. Yeah. Six and three. Uh, okay. So mine, mine are the other scale. Uh, we've seen the light at the end of the tunnel, 13. And All 15. right. That's great. Yeah. You're living <laughs> okay. in the future for me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and my, my eldest who just turned 15, but when we were on holiday last summer, first is just, and obviously it's probably me talking about podcast all the time. She deliberately doesn't want to listen to a podcast, but you know, it's <laughs> after to rebel, right? So they have to rebel, and that's yeah. one way of doing it. But, um, you know, discover, listen to her for first podcast. And that's through, you know, finding somebody on social media, like an influencer. Interesting. That follows, okay. That's interesting. Launches a podcast. So that's cool. Yeah. So I was interested to know, to know your thoughts, you know, how much, uh, obviously very data driven what you do, but do, do, have you seen any, any data where you can kind of draw any, uh, conclusions when it comes to people with significant followings on social media, then deciding to launch a podcast. And it's that whole thing of, you know, if anything ever happened to my Instagram account, I lose everything. Whereas if I move them to my podcast, I own that audience. It's a it's super actually. common thing. It's, uh, mm. you know, so folks that are big on, Instagram or YouTube or Twitter starting a podcast. I mean, I think there are even uh, whole companies who this is like their strategy, right? They find yeah. uh, influencers that don't have an audio version and then, you know, uh, get them to make the show and, and figure out the ad stuff, right? Um, it seems to be very effective. It really depends on on the person, right? Like some folks that might be super compelling in video land, like are perhaps less compelling in audio land. Uh, but overall, it seems to be a recipe that works, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see that 
um, across the board. I mean, I'm, I'm most, again, well, slightly biased towards the U.S. based on where I sit, but you see all kinds of YouTubers coming up with podcasts, especially in the last year. And when I talk about um, you know new shows breaking into the top 200, a lot of them are from that influencer strategy. Or even... Um, you know, like politicians, there was like a, you know, mm. we're entering another election cycle here in the US. Uh, I'm sure we're going to see a lot more political podcasts get started by like <laughs> uh, brand name politicians. Um, you know, what are podcasts good at? It's a, it's a way of going deep, right, with someone. Mm. Um, and so I can understand why politicians are attracted to it. And I understand why influencers are attracted to it, too. It's mm. just another way to connect with your audience in a way, you know, perhaps in a time when they couldn't have their phone up in front of their face. But, you know, maybe they're on their way to work or maybe they're on a walk or whatever it is, uh, doing the laundry, all the classic like podcast use cases. Uh, it's another way to kind of uh, connect with an audience uh, in, in times where you might not be able to reach them otherwise. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I think the first time we were approached by somebody like that is they, they've been on a, uh, a military reality t- TV show. Wow. You know, like train killer type stuff. And then, and then they brought out the book in time for Christmas. <laughs> and then it was like the publisher was like, and now you need to start. Now podcast. it's podcast time. Yeah. It's all, exactly. you know, multi-pronged. I mean, this is like how, you know, in, in reality, it's like you, you kind of, the, the media landscape is so competitive now, right? So it's not surprising that folks are, are turning to as many channels as they can to try mm. to connect with folks, right? It's hard out there. Yeah. Um, and that's, again, like going back to like the chartable story, it's like, we were just like totally shocked. Like how come podcast publishers were so underserved? You know, it's like, how come nobody had built this stuff before? Right. Um, I think when I, when I think back on that, I think it's just that uh, podcasts had been sort of flying under the radar, building audience over years and years, but because you can't see it, can't touch it. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't have the same kind of like impact in terms of like budgets for advertisers or, um, when folks were thinking about investment, uh, in, in different media, they weren't thinking about podcasts, even though if you like talk to, to media buyers or whatever, like anyone in New York, you stop on the street and ask them, uh, what podcasts they listen to, they'll talk your ear off. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's this gap between like what people were doing and how people were kind of like buying and thinking about the medium. Mm-hmm. And how did you get your first customers then? Interesting that you mentioned that. Uh, yeah, so we went, so we started, working on Turbo in June of 18, uh, 2018. And um, there happened to be a podcast movement conference in Philadelphia in July of uh, that year. Uh, and so it's a short train ride from New York. We just said, all right, we're going to have something to show people by then. So we just worked our butts off and like cranked out the first version um, and then hopped on the train and got meetings with people. People were kind enough to uh, respond to a cold email and mm-hmm. Um, you know, meet with us, you know, we, we were like literally one month in, we didn't even have like a, a company really. And um, it reminded me a lot of kind of my early days in San Francisco and the startup industry where like uh, before uh, people got too big for their britches or whatever, made too much money to be nice. Um, they, you know, people were just like super friendly and open. You could like get coffee with anyone. And I, I still feel like podcasting is sort of like that where there's an openness, uh, even though it's, you know, of course it's competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a friendliness and openness because like, you know, people just like care so much about this medium. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I'm still, uh, you know, we still have customers that we, we started with, uh, back, you know, from those cold meetings in, uh, July of 18, um, you know, and folks That's in the industry cool. that we, we keep in touch with that just like started from mm-hmm. those, those cold emails, right. Uh, learning how to, mm-hmm. you know, figuring out how to do sales, figuring out how to, how to connect with customers. I was like, those are like very early lessons that we're still, still drawing on. And it, it's interesting you said that about uh, about the industry and, you know, 
Why is that? Because I still host like a, uh, a weekly clubhouse room with with a bunch of guys, and we all run podcast agencies. One of them is yeah. the biggest independent agency in the in the UK. And we're all essentially competitors, but we all get on like a house on fire. We all just like <laughs> you know geeking out on podcasts. I love that. I love crap. that. Yeah, I think it's like you know, there's just you know, audio people are are like they're cool people, right? And we we know that like um, audio has been underappreciated by. Uh, the world at large, at least I would, I, I argue for that. Yeah. And so like yeah. when you find like-minded folks who like care about good audio and, and, and making cool stuff, um, like, you know, when the market stops growing, maybe we'll all start fighting each other more, but there's mm-hmm. just so much, you know, the market has so much room to grow. Yeah. Uh, it's like, how can we fight now? Right. It's like uh, the, the pie is just going to get bigger and bigger and um, you know, audio is awesome. Like, and, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I've, always been pleasantly surprised even like uh going back to podcast movement this year um that was the first time being in person in a long time uh you know for right. obvious reasons yeah, um yeah. and just having that direct contact with people who use chartable and, and the podcast industry at large it was just it was so like energizing you know mm. uh and it was even it was like just a, a few weeks after we had sold the company and i was like oh is everyone gonna um still be into chartable and like are people gonna be giving me a hard time or whatever and it was it was just super <laughs> cool like you know uh it, it was it was super energizing yeah now we, we've got putting on our first big event this this autumn and it'll be like five to ten thousand people over two days in London. oh wow um is yeah that, uh what, what's the name of the conference my, is it? it it's a bit of a mouthful but because it's year one so it's called content creator and influencer tech live but there will awesome. be you know a bunch about 150 exhibitors five to ten thousand people and about 100 speakers on that's three huge stages. Yeah, it's going to be cool. It's going to be cool. And um, yeah, I'm going to something this week in London that's that's in the same hall that's um, with the same, you know, a lot of the big um, manufacturers of kits, you know, cameras, yeah. microphones, that, that kind of stuff. But it'd be interesting to see, you know, what, what we've seen like the last couple of years, probably getting off for two and a half years now, isn't it? With, with COVID is, you know, this audience that have been sat at home in their bedroom, creating their own content, creating yeah. YouTube channels, creating podcasts. And seeing getting them you know in a place like you're saying kind of feeding off that energy of people wanting to to meet again you know yeah there was really yeah it, it's so i i was like so pumped to have done it in february i hope i get the opportunity to do it again soon you know it's like it's so hard right because like you know like you know pandemic's not really over and yet at the same time there's no. just this hunger for in-person stuff there's something that you just can't recreate online no. um and you know i found that with with work at well, you know, Spotify is a huge New York office and, um, you know, I don't have to go in or whatever, but I, I go at least once a week because it's just, um, yeah, there's something that you can't really replace. There's some, there's something magical. And it's funny to like work in, you know, work in podcasting, which is ultimately like an asynchronous, uh, <laughs> medium, uh, yeah. that there's something about synchronicity, but, uh, you know, there, there is right. Both are, both are great, right? Like I love podcasts because I can listen to them on my way to work and like, it's, you know, I can catch up whenever I want, but um, there is some there is some magic about being in a room with someone. And you know, going back to your story again, um, saying you know it, it hasn't been a smooth ride, but how, how did the pandemic uh, affect you? Because you know we're we're all at home yeah. looking at the stats, and there's the trip, and, then all, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, yes. it goes like boom. You I know? mean, as a startup founder, it was like a really scary time, and also like New York, like COVID hit New York like super hard and very early, um, and so. The right. folks on our team were affected. Like I had done the week before lockdown, we had two podcast conferences in person in New York. Uh, and so like, 
is like, you know, in retrospect, maybe a little bit misguided, but, mm. um, you know, it was a scary time. Um, the stats are, you know, were very worrisome in those first few weeks when, when lockdown hit. Um, and you know, we were considering all kinds of like, um, awful business scenarios, right. And had to make some tough calls. Um, but, uh, I was in retrospect too pessimistic, like podcasting yeah. is super resilient medium. People want their podcasts, right? So even though commutes for a lot of folks went away in that, you know, lockdown timeframe, you know, it started recovering pretty quickly within a matter of weeks. And then it, 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 you know, went back to normal levels within a matter of a couple months, which considering, you know, in the U.S. here, um, we were still like pretty heavily locked down in like yeah. May 2020. Um, you know, some stuff was reopening, but it wasn't like there's, you know, office workers, most office workers were not going back to work. And yet we saw, you know, the download numbers, you know, go back up and consumption numbers go back up. And it's like, okay, well, people just found a different way. You know, they found, they wanted their shows, they wanted their podcasts, and they found a different way to work it into their lives. Right. Mm. Um, and so, you know, as a tiny company, I think we were like six people at the time, seven people. It was very focusing. Um, we did a lot of work on, you know, building revenue and, and figuring out which pieces of the product were the most valuable and making sure that we, um, you know, we captured some of that value for ourselves as, as much as we want to just like, it would be awesome to just give everything away. Um, we, you know, that's yeah. also make the numbers work. Um, yeah. And so, you know, it was a super focusing time, extremely difficult time. Uh, but it was, it was great to see. Um, I think it was, it proved out just how important podcasts are to listeners, right? Mm. They, they made new time uh, to listen. Yeah, yeah. I know I did, you know, I do these long walks in the morning now. Uh, and that's, that's my pod time, you know? So yeah. <laughs> it's true. I, I, I agree. And it's, um, I, I chat, I, you mentioned earlier, you know, how much room there, there still is to grow. So, so interested to get your take. I was, I was chatting to a lady from New York and she was saying she likens it to when blog started and in a 10 year cycle, she was like, I think we're only at year three or four. And I'm well, like, there's so really? much room to grow. Yeah. I know it feels like from the inside of the industry, it feels like oh everybody's got a podcast yeah. like whatever yeah. millions of pod i think pod, spotify has like 4 million podcasts now right um wow. but if you compare it to like youtube how many youtube channels are there like tens of millions at least yeah, yeah. right yeah. and like um why you know why would podcasting be like limited in a way that youtube isn't you know it, it just feels to me like uh as much as like you know everybody started the podcast or tried starting the podcast in lockdown um like there's still so much room to grow. I, you know, when we started our podcast, we had like a, a a stream of listeners like right away, right? And so it's just a question of like, who's your target audience? What are you making? Is it good? Remember, <laughs> like, it has to be good. And yeah. then of course, like as it gets more crowded, we're gonna have to work a little bit harder to get the word out there. Um, but I think that's true of everything, you know? Mm. Um, podcasts are not, you know, they're unique in terms of consumption compared to like other visual media or text media. Um, but they're not unique in that, like, I don't know, I've found that the default position of the world is basically just indifference, right? You have to break through somehow. And um, podcasts are no different. We have to work to make sure that people are aware of what we're doing. Um, that's that's part of the creative journey, right? It's it's not just making the thing. It's also telling people about the thing. But Yeah, exactly. Making the thing is the hard thing. And then once you've made the thing, the hard thing is... <laughs> Yeah, making the, making the thing is the first hard thing. Let's not forget about all the other hard things, right? Exactly. It's like, and I think, you know, when you look, think about your show, like doing something consistently for five years, that's also hard. And that's also not something that we think about. You know, like, I didn't know that I'd be 
um, you know, a few months into what's going to be a multi-year journey at Spotify when I, when I like kind of stumbled into podcasting, you know, in 2018, yeah, right. Absolutely. It's like things doing good work takes time and you get better at it. Um, and that's, um, that's part of the journey that you're not always thinking about when you're like, oh, okay, I'm just going to like, what if I, what if I do a podcast? Right. It's like, okay, that's, that's one piece. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and interested to know, so we've always, since, since we launched our agency, uh, Podpreneur, we have always done branded podcasts. Okay. Yeah. And about a year ago, I think something like that charitable launch charitable for brands. Um, you know, it, you know, we produce and launch branded podcasts. How is the market currently for branded podcasts? And for the uninitiated, why should a brand launch their own podcast? Yeah, so uh, branded podcasts are essentially shows that are created by brands, um, usually not just long advertisements, hopefully not, uh, hopefully, hopefully telling not. a story that's related to the brand um, and, um, you know, making a great show that's worth listening to that like ties in with a brand. Um, we see it as uh, a big growth area, um, at Chartable. It's something we invested a lot in last year. Um, and I think it goes back to like thinking about all the different media that are out there right now and how, how hard it is to break through and reaching folks that you might not be able to reach, you know, at other times. Like there's something about audio that, um, it's, it's unique, right? Um, and it can fit into your life in a different way. And so to me, it's, it's crazy that more brands weren't already doing it and still aren't doing it. The idea yeah. that you can, you can get into someone's ears and be the only one in their ears, potentially for a long period of time, like that's, that's like an amazing opportunity, right? And it's certainly a lot of work to do it well. Um, but uh, there's never, you know, on, on the web, you know, I don't know how many tabs you have open in your browser, but like normally I've got you know, multiple windows and multiple tabs. And how many how many ads are in each of those tabs? Like a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there's only ever, you know, if you're listening, there's only ever one thing in your ears at any one time. And I think that that is an underappreciated part of audio for brands. And so whether it's branded podcasts or, you know, audio advertising in general, which is still kind of underappreciated, I think, by the market at large, um, I think more and more folks are understanding that, that being a, vo a voice directly into someone's ears is a really powerful thing. Uh, yeah. And so that's why we, that's why we built these tools at Chartable. I mean, that, that's what I say is that, you know, literally if you, if you are, I don't know, you know, walking as well, going for the house or listening for a run ever since, especially like the, the advent of, of AirPods as well, it li you literally feel more than ever that there is, you know, that voice is in your head and yeah. someone has, taken a decision to listen to that voice in the head rather than like you say an advert that happens you know you get you read an online newspaper and you're bombarded with pop-ups right. and all that kind of stuff you know and podcasting is opt-in right like you're never like That's nobody's right. ever forcing you to listen to a show right so if you come across or you hear something great you know as a promo on another show for example or you're like scrolling through your um feeds and you see something you, you, you tap to check it out um there's a there's a lean in kind of like opt in nature to it. That's also super special. And so, um, you know, I think one of the things that, uh, brands often have challenges with in terms of like looking at the results of their audio campaigns, again, whether it's like advertising or a branded show, is they're like, well, it's only like X thousand downloads or X thousand impressions. And if I go out on the web, I can get bazillions of page views by yeah. like dumping money in. And I, I think they're just not equivalent at all. Like mm -hmm. one person spending, you know, 10, 20, 30, 50 minutes with you 
versus like a page view on a blog post or whatever it is, or like 10 seconds of a video stream, it's totally different, right? Yeah. Um, there's that opt-in uh, nature of it. And, and then the fact that you're the only one in their ears, like in that, yeah, again, super underappreciated. Agreed. And, you know, the opportunity, as I always say, you know, over time is to, you know, turn those listeners into customers to educate them about your, your products and services. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a it's a underappreciated opportunity for sure. And and do you think you know how how can a brand? I mean, you're obviously you know creating these tools, and you say you got a lot of work to do. But any ideas on you know how brands can better measure the the ROI of their of their branded podcast? Yeah, for sure. So um, you know, Chartable offers um, some insights, uh, uh, particularly around like um, audience data, like who's listening in terms of um, you know household characteristics, et cetera. We also offer what's called firmographic data, uh, or which lets you show um, which kinds of companies are listening to your show, which for B2B companies is super insightful. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, I think um, the, the message I would give to brands is like, it's not just about how many impressions or, that you're getting. It's about engagement. It's about yeah. who you're reaching and how much time they're spending with you. And that's what's going to drive impact versus like, you know, X billion random page views, like who knows how many of which were actually humans, right? Mm. Um, you know, it's just a totally different thing. And, and so it requires a little bit of a, a little bit of education, a little bit of a shift in terms of how brands are perceiving the investment. Mm. Do, you, do you know, our, our probably biggest, probably the biggest challenge we have when it's making a branded podcast uh, with, with a business is that it's usually, you know, one of the founders, the CEO who wants to host the podcast. And then it's like trying to nail them down to record any content. Yeah. They're the busiest person in the business. Yeah. It's, like, it's hard. Yeah. And it comes, comes down to like, yeah, you have to make something good, something worth listening to, no matter what it is. Right. Even if it's a 30 second ad, it has to be an amazing ad. If it's a half an hour podcast, it has to be really good the whole way through. Right. And that's like, it's just a lot of work. Right. And mm-hmm. so um, what I've heard, especially from the folks in the branded industry is that like that first season that you do of a branded show, if you're doing a seasonal thing, it's really just to prove out, the, the concept at the end of the first season, you know, there's going to be folks that say like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have done this or whatever. But at the end of the second season, everyone's going to say, ah, you're a genius. Like we, I'm so glad we've been doing this. And I've been saying we should do this the whole time. Right. Uh, it's just one of those things like, you know, going back to one of our themes here is it just takes time to invest. It's a lot of work. Um, and the, the returns might not come on day one. Right. In fact, mm. probably won't come on day one. Building yeah. an audience is hard. Um, but the impact is there because like it, it's, it's just, um, it's just an investment. Yeah. Agreed. It's an investment. Uh, and interested to get your thoughts. Um, the last few minutes that we've, we've, we've got you for Dave is your thoughts on, on social audio and that somebody who, you know, during lockdown discovered uh, clubhouse built, you know, a, a following, I think of 16, 17,000 on there, then built a club of tens of thousands of people. And then, probably like every platform you, you see the, the peaks and troughs of, of, you know, yeah. listeners onboarding and then disappearing as, as real life kicks in and, and then trying the likes of Spotify's green room, fireside, Twitter spaces, and then seeing last week, Facebook putting out an announcement that they were, you know, ditching uh, yeah. audio. So yeah, interested to know your, your, your thoughts in general. Is it something that you, you likewise are bullish about the same as podcasting that there's a lot of room for growth or do you think again, we're, we're you know, it's, it's a very early stage and 
people. I think it's super early. And I think the idea that live audio is not going to have a place, I, I would not bet against it at all. I would absolutely mm -hmm. bet on live audio. You know, Spotify's made some investments here as well. Um, you know, personally, I'm very attracted to asynchronous audio um, just because yeah. of the way it fits into my life and having little kids, right? The idea that I'm going to tune into something at like 1 a.m., uh, East Coast time because it's happening in California or something. For me personally, not terribly realistic. Now, however, yeah, yeah. if it gets put out as a podcast, I'll absolutely check it out, right? Mm. But I think they're complementary, right? It's like uh, in the same way that there's um, something special about being in a physical room with someone, there is something special about something happening now, right? Uh, and being in the in the audio space where it's happening now and that real-time aspect, there's an energy to it. There's a vibe to it that that's hard to capture. It's not as exciting to watch the replay of the game as it is to watch the game, right? Um, so uh, I think they're complementary. They're absolutely is going to be a much bigger place for live audio in the future. Uh, I think betting against it would be silly, but just you know, based on my personal like take and having little kids, like I got to be in bed really early, man. So if it's not if it's <laughs> not like uh, fitting into my schedule, I just I can't do it. I'll listen to the pod, you know. You'd get to my stage and you're going to bed before your kids get to bed. Like, what happened I here? I can't wait. I can't wait, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you know, we've, one of our clients is on, I think there's 200 people in the world doing LinkedIn's beta testing. And he was, Gary V did his first broadcast. And, and our client was his first ever guest on, on his show. Oh, wow. That's great. Really interesting getting the insights, you know, and you just think if, if – if they do it right, he was saying it, it's nowhere near as good as Clubhouse is at the moment. But you think surely if they get it right, if people are going there to 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 recruit to network, then there might be more opportunity to see you know live audio broadcasts. For sure, I think LinkedIn is one of these. Uh, I think in general underappreciated uh, platforms, right? It's like uh, weirdly uh, positive place in a world where a lot of online interaction is uh some can sometimes not be that positive right um i haven't seen the live audio stuff but you know i'd be curious to check it out i mean i, I it makes sense like that uh other companies are investing in audio because for all the reasons we've already outlined it's awesome yeah. right? so like uh if they can help grow the overall audio pie i'm in you know <laughs> and the couple of quick questions to finish up first of all uh what happened to your own podcast show uh, it's just, I mean, with, uh, I give so much credit to people who, who put out stuff on a consistent basis. Like it was just so hard. We did a daily show for a while. Brutal. Anyone Did doing daily, yeah, yeah. Anyone doing daily content, I just have like whether it's a newsletter or podcast or whatever, I have like incredible respect for weekly content, whatever it is. Mm. Um, you know, we were programmers and we needed more time to write code and writing code is a very specific, uh, mind space to be in where, uh, the world has to shut off. And so, uh, we made the call to say, "Hey, look, we gotta, we gotta build this thing, and we can't." You know, we were spending a long time on the show every day because we didn't know what we were doing. Like I, <laughs> another one of my themes. So, <laughs> I've had respect for folks who put out the content. For you know, I, I, we, we felt the pain. I feel the pain. I empathize with all of our customers who are out there making stuff, putting stuff out in the world. It's hard, and that's, so that's why we're here to support doing what we do right, which is data and 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 insights, right? So that's what we're going to focus on doing. Love it. And, and kind of tying into that nicely would be, how does your role personally look like moving forward now that you're, you're, you're part of you know, Spotify? Yeah, so I'm going to be helping uh, you know, lead the product vision for how Chartable fits into Megaphone and into the broader Spotify um, audio 
uh, ecosystem serving uh, publishers and serving the industry. So uh, it's still early days. Uh, we have a lot of work to do, um, but um, you know we're helping to uh, plan out, spec out what it's going to look like, and then you know building the team to make sure that we can actually execute and kind of take advantage of this huge opportunity that we have. So. Well, look, hats off to you. Many congratulations again. I've, I've been, you know, user and, and fan of Chartable for a number of years Thanks now. Thanks so much. And, I really appreciate uh, that. Uh, 100%. And, um, you know, I wish you continued success. And it'll be super interesting, I know, for everybody listening to this as well as myself to see, you know, how, how you go on to, to conquer the rest of the audio world. So awesome. well done. Keep on doing what you're doing. Thanks so much, Alex. Uh, thanks for having me on. Thanks to the listeners for tuning in. And uh, hope to see you soon. Appreciate it. Thanks. If you'd like to learn how to launch and grow your own number one rated podcast like this with zero experience, zero knowledge, and zero tech skills, come and join me at ultimatepodcastmastery.com where I've just launched for a limited number of people a brand new podcast membership course. So you'll get access to my ultimate podcast mastery membership course. You'll get my digital workbook, my progress sheet, my launch checklist, and all of the nitty gritty cheat sheets, templates, and scripts, the podpreneur way. You'll also get weekly live Q&A with me, exclusive WhatsApp group chat, an entry to my private Facebook group, as well as access to all my past interviews and trainings with special guests as well. This is available for a limited time for a limited number of people. So once it's gone, it's gone. But if you'd like to learn how to do exactly what I'm doing now, then I'll show you how. Head on over to ultimatepodcastmastery.com. If you found value in this free podcast, all I ask is that you tell somebody else about it. You don't have to leave a review or write a post on social tagging me in the screw it, just do it hashtag. But if you do, I promise to give you a shout out on a future episode and you have my eternal thanks. I'm at Alex Chisnell on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook, plus at Alexander Chisnell on Instagram. Alongside the Screw It, Just Do It Facebook page, this houses the Screw It, Just Do It community and has the most up-to-date information on all things Screw It, Just Do It, including all of our live events. I love hearing from you if you either message me on LinkedIn or email alex at screwitjustdoit.org. I promise to reply. Just give me a little time. <laughs>